Turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Indeed, I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see the things that you are seeing, yet did not see them, and to hear the things that you are hearing, yet did not hear them. Just then, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he asked him. What do you read there? He replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. He said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. It just so happened that a priest was going down that way, but when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite also happened to go there, but when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. A Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. When he saw him, he felt sorry for the man. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. He put him on his own animal, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day when he left, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him. Whatever extra you spend, I will repay you when I return. Which of these three do you think acted like a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? The one who showed mercy to him, he replied. Then Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. The Gospel of our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. During this church year, the series of lessons that we have been hearing during worship is called the Historic Lectionary. Now, this series of lessons, the Historic Lectionary, was assembled very early on in the history of the Christian church, and it's been used by most of the Western Christian churches for most of their history. Uh, these days, though, there are lots and lots of these lectionaries that have been developed, lots of these series of lessons that are out there, and the historic lectionary is not used very much in a lot of Protestant churches, at least in this country, anymore. And mostly because I have never used it before, I decided to use the historic lectionary this year. And it has been a blessing in a number of ways. First, it has forced me to preach on a number of texts that I've never preached on before and probably never would have. And then secondly, and this is what I'm very thankful for today, the historic lectionary has also forced me to look at very familiar texts from a different angle, with a fresh set of eyes. And that includes today's gospel, the story of the Good Samaritan. You have to be careful about calling any Bible story familiar these days because Bible knowledge among Christians is not what it used to be, but if there's any story in the Bible that we can safely say is familiar to most Christians, it's this one, the Good Samaritan. I think every Christian has heard it at least once. Some of you have probably heard it dozens of times. I've written five sermons on it at least. But the crafters of the historic lectionary did something with the story of the Good Samaritan that was strange. They included two verses with it that, as far as I know, no other lectionary does. The very first two verses. 
Turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Indeed, I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see the things that you are seeing, yet did not see them, and to hear the things that you are hearing, yet did not hear them. Now, honestly, those two verses seem to click. They seem to fit better with the account that comes before the Good Samaritan, and that's where every other lectionary that I know of puts them. But the thing is, the men who put together this lectionary, they were deep thinkers. It's what they did for fun back then. They sat around and thought deeply. I mean, they didn't even have, like, Atari or a Walkman. They probably didn't even have rotary phones. The poor souls, all they had to do was sit around and, and think about things deeply. And these, these deep thinkers, when they looked at those two verses, they said, no, they, they belong down with the Good Samaritan. And it sort of compels you to think, what were they seeing in those two verses? What do those two verses have to do with the story of the Good Samaritan? Now, before we hear Jesus tell his famous story, we meet an expert in the law. And it's good for us to understand what we mean when we call these men experts. What is the nature of their expertise? This is what they are experts at. They are experts at memorizing things. They even memorized very trivial facts about the Old Testament, like how many of this letter are in this book of the Old Testament, exactly how many sentences are in this chapter of this book. That's what they were experts at, memorizing trivia and minutiae. What they were not experts at was getting the significance of the Old Testament and putting it into practice. They were kind of like somebody who memorizes a cookbook, but they have no ingredients to make anything. They, they had the content, but they didn't get the significance. And the reason was that they didn't see Jesus as the Messiah. They didn't see Jesus Christ as the center of the Old Testament, the fulfillment, what it was all about. And this expert in the law very quickly proves that he knows the content of the Old Testament, but he's missing what it's all about because he doesn't look to Jesus to give him eternal life. Instead, he's trying to earn eternal life for himself by what he does. Just then, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells this man God's truth. If you want to do something to inherit eternal life, you must keep the commandments. What is written in the law? Jesus asked him. What do you read there? And here the expert proves that he's good at memorizing things and missing their meaning. He replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your soul, all your mind. Do this and you will live. Uh-oh. Who has done this? Who can do this? Who can love the Lord with everything they are and everything they have? Nobody. And the expert in the law, he's not bold or delusional enough to claim that he can inherit eternal life by loving the Lord his God with everything he has and everything he is. But, oh, see, there is that second part of the Old Testament law. Love your neighbor as yourself. So that's where he's going to shift now. And he's going to zero in on, on that second part of it 
But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now the word justify in Bible speak, in the vocabulary of the Bible, it means to declare righteous. And this expert in the law, he's not ready to give up yet on justifying himself, on making himself holy in the eyes of God. And he thinks he can do it based on that second part of the command about loving your neighbor as yourself. But first, Jesus, we're going to need some guidelines here. <laughs> we're going to need some limits, some parameters on who this neighbor is that we are supposed to love as ourselves. Just who exactly is our neighbor? And Jesus could answer that question with one word. Instead, he answers it with a story. It's the story of a man who travels down the very dangerous road from Jerusalem to Jericho, and as he does, he's robbed, beaten, stripped, and left for dead. Then two holy men, much like that expert in the law, they see him and pass by, but they don't just pass by, they cut a wide berth as they pass by him. Then along comes a Samaritan down that same perilous path from Jerusalem to Jericho. And Samaritans and Jews do not typically like each other, let alone love each other and help each other out. Whatever that Samaritan's business was in the capital city of Jerusalem, it's easy to imagine that he was insulted and mistreated, or at least generally shunned by the largely Jewish population in that city. And yet, when he walks back down to Jericho and he sees this man... He does not shun him or insult him. Instead, he loves him as he loves himself. See, if that Samaritan were in the same position, certainly he would want someone to help him and to heal him. And that's what he does for the man who is half dead. He loves him and shows it by caring for him. And he doesn't just care for him. He cares for him thoroughly and kindly and expensively. And so the Samaritan, in Jesus' story, answers the question, who is my neighbor like this? Your neighbor is everybody around you. No matter who, no matter when, no matter where, no matter how expensive. Which of these three do you think acted like a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The one who showed mercy to him, he replied. Then Jesus told him, go and do likewise. The Good Samaritan is probably Jesus' best-known story, challenged only maybe by the prodigal son. What's not so well known about this story is the conversation with the expert in the law that surrounds it, Jesus' discussion with this man that bookends the story. See, Jesus doesn't tell the story of the Good Samaritan in a vacuum. It doesn't come out of nowhere. He tells it with two purposes, and the first purpose is to answer that question, who is your neighbor like this? Everybody. Everybody, everywhere, every time, at every cost. And we've heard this story before, and we have also heard Jesus' command at the end, go and do likewise. Go and do, like the Samaritan in that story. And have we? Have we gone and done likewise, and loved our neighbor, and cared for our neighbor, who is everyone around us, the same way we love and care for ourselves? Of course we have not. At least not always, at least not perfectly. And that leads to Jesus' second main purpose for telling this story. That is to communicate to that expert in the law and any other sinner who wants to earn eternal life, justify themselves in God's eyes, you can't do it. 
that path to eternal life has been closed off to you. Because not only have you not loved the Lord, who you can't see. See, from a human perspective, it would almost be excusable because you can't see the Lord. You could forget about him sometimes. But not only have you not loved him with everything you are and everything you have, your neighbor, who you can see, who's around you every day, it's hard to forget about him, but you do anyway, and you don't love your neighbor as yourself and care for your neighbor the way that you should. And you see, that leaves the expert in the law and us and every other sinful human being needing help and healing ourselves. And this is where I really love and appreciate the wisdom of the fathers who put together the historic lectionary, including those first two verses. Turning to the disciples, he said to them privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Indeed, I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see the things that you are seeing, yet did not see them, and to hear the things that you are hearing, yet did not hear them. So what were the disciples hearing and seeing? That prophets like Jeremiah and Isaiah and kings like David and Solomon wanted to see and hear themselves, but they did not have the privilege. Well, that story that comes just before the Good Samaritan is the story of Jesus sending out 72 missionaries into the towns and villages and sending them with these instructions. Heal the sick who are in the town and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near you. Jesus sends out 72 to heal the sick in the towns, just like the Good Samaritan and to tell them that the kingdom of God has come to them. Do you see how Jesus perfectly practices what he preaches in the story of the Good Samaritan? There were people in those towns and villages who were down physically, who were suffering from illness and disease. And Jesus sent missionaries to them under his command and his authority to heal them, to lift them up physically. But it's a lot more than that. To the entire human race that was down in the sin of incomplete and imperfect love for each other. The entire human race that had no hope of justifying itself or doing anything to inherit eternal life, Jesus comes and he brings to us the kingdom of God. He sees us suffering and heading toward eternal death in our sin and Jesus comes to heal us of our sin and to lift us up forever. He comes to live the perfect life of Samaritan-like love to everyone around him, to all of his neighbors, and he does it as our replacement, to justify us in the eyes of God. And with eternal love for us, Jesus spreads out his arms on the cross and pays the price for all of our sins. Jesus is our perfect neighbor. He sees us in need and he comes to heal us of our sin to give us the inheritance of eternal life, to justify us, to make us righteous in God's eyes. There are a lot of people around us in the world who are down right now. You don't need me to tell you that, but it does seem like more people are down in more ways than usual right now. A lot of people are down financially. This is all stuff I got off CNBC. That's my source. Okay. <laughs> If you don't like it, you can verify it somewhere else. It's all pretty similar information. That six out of 10 Americans are now living paycheck to paycheck or worse, and that the average household credit card debt is now over $8,000.
And I know what some of you are thinking, because I know you people. Some of you are thinking, well, they should live within their income. Serves them right for being so reckless. Yuck, gross. That's not Christ-like at all. You know, you could say that man who got beaten on the way down to Jericho was being awfully reckless. A notoriously dangerous road, and he walks it alone. Yeah, he was being pretty reckless, pretty careless, but that did not excuse the priest or the Levite or the Samaritan from helping him when he needed it. And it's not just financially that people are down. In most parts of the country, life expectancy is dropping while homelessness is rising. People are down in addiction. One out of every 11 Americans is now alcohol dependent or full-blown alcoholic. And a full 5% is addicted to an illegal narcotic like meth or fentanyl. Now you think about that. If you go grocery shopping this afternoon and you walk past 20 strangers, one of them is hooked on a narcotic. Your neighbor is everyone, everywhere, no matter the cost. Of course, we are not Jesus Christ. Of course, we have limited resources and we cannot help anyone. But to everyone that you come into contact with, like the Samaritan in that story, I don't think he was going around looking for people to help. But when he came across somebody who he saw needed help, he acted. To the people you do come across in your daily life, be a neighbor and love them as you love yourself. Which does beg the question, how does a Christian love him or herself? Because you hear a lot right now about self-love and self-care. And a lot of it's kind of based on vagaries, and it comes from a pretty selfish place. It kind of comes from this place that, look, you got to watch out for yourself, because it's a rough place, this world, and nobody else is going to look out for you. And if you don't take care of yourself, look, you got to love yourself and look out for number one. That's not really the way a Christian loves him or herself. I love myself, and I care for myself, because God loves me. Because he made me in the first place, and I'm so valuable to him that he sent his son to take my sins away, and he wants me with him in heaven forever. That's why I love myself. That's why I take care of myself, because God does. And that's why we love our neighbors, too. Everyone you see is someone that Jesus has been the perfect neighbor to. Whether they believe it or not, everyone is someone that Jesus lived and died and rose for, to give the inheritance of eternal life, to justify them before God. Love them for the same reason you love yourself. God loves them. Be a neighbor to them because Jesus has been the perfect neighbor to you and to them. Go and do likewise, like the Samaritan and like Jesus, but most importantly, go and do likewise because of Jesus. Amen.